0: This is the Pints and Politics podcast, posted January 9th, 2020. You're listening to a panel discussion with three members of CARN, Citizens Against Radioactive Neighbourhoods, in Peterborough, Ontario. The voices you'll hear are Jane Scott, Corrine Mintz, and Peter Harris. My name is Bill Templeman. And welcome to part two. We've been talking about power supply and alternative energy. There are those who say that solar and wind are just not up to snuff in terms of providing the volume of electricity we need and that for the next few decades we are going to need either continued fossil fuel generation and or nuclear. Now Peter, in part one you talked to that. How, what, do you know what percentage of Peterborough's grid Right now is powered by alternative sources. I
1: think, I think it's around it's sixty or seventy percent.
0: That high? I think so. So sixty percent of our uh, electricity in Peterborough comes from solar and hydro, and then the remaining forty is from nuclear. Uh, yeah, I believe that's okay. the way it works. Yeah. Okay. So given that,
2: I'd just <gasps> like to read that. Um, if we were supporting green initiatives, I mean, it's incredible that we have as much green energy out there as there, like truly green energy out there as there is. I mean, the government, whether it's federal or provincial, has not been supporting green initiatives In even the tiniest minute quantity in the way that they do support the nuclear industry. Mm. So a lot of our, our money, our public money is going towards the nuclear industry, whether it's in, as I said, in cleanup or in dealing with, dealing with the waste that's left over at the end or, yeah, or the, the byproducts of, of the industry or, or just in people's, maintaining people's health once they've gotten ill from, from working in the industry or being too close to the industry.
0: Yes, I've heard the observation that if we subsidized uh, uh, alternative energies like solar and wind to the extent we subsidized fossil fuels and nuclear, we'd be there now.
2: We well, <laughs> would have been there a long time ago, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, really yeah, do yeah, think yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a shame.
1: Yeah. But, you know, I, this argument about whether or not it's green, I, I think that's kind of irrelevant to our situation here right now. Um, and nobody could argue that bringing pellets into downtown Toronto uh, or into downtown Peterborough, manufacturing them here, is sensible or is green in any way. Uh, you cannot argue that. BWXT cannot argue that. CNSC cannot. It's a dumb thing to do. Why put all these people in harm's way? It, 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 there's just no, no excuse for it and no explanation for it.
3: I think we have to step back a little bit and just talk a little bit about the change in operations. For the very first time in Peterborough, if we start pelleting here, um, BWXT will be handling large quantities of extremely finely ground um, uranium dioxide powder. And if you breathe that in or it gets into a cut or you ingest it, it's very, very dangerous for the body.
1: A single particle has enough to exceed your dosage by uh, something like 200 times. Uh, Depending on the size of the particle, that determines the the amount of dosage you get and also how long it sticks around your body. So we have some calculations here that show that a single 2.5 micron particle, I believe is the size of it, gives you 200 times your legal permitted uh, quantity of exposure. Um, so very, very, very tiny particles of dust can be potentially lethal to you. Well, the problem is that you don't see these effects right after you inhale the dust. You might see it five down years down the road, ten years, twenty years. And there's no uh, epidemiology done on nuclear workers or on uh, workers at these plants. So there's nobody following this. Uh, if you have a case of a single child who develops cancer 20 years down the line? Nobody's ever going to trace it back to BWXT in Peterborough. Nobody. Well, if you look at the bigger picture and you find that there's 10 or 15 more deaths in Peterborough, you might scratch your head and, and ask yourself why that's the case, but you'd never be able to trace it back to BWXD on, on, on Monaghan Avenue, never be able to do that. So the problem here is that there's a, it's a real, really difficult to find a cause and effect. But we do know that the dosage emitted by a single 2.5 micron particle is enough to exceed your limit by 200 times. Just one single 2.5 micron, that's... 2.5 1, 2.5 millionths of a meter in size. So that's smaller than, uh, many, many, many times smaller than a single, the width of a single piece of paper. So one single particle like that could be enough to, to cause you to exceed your limits.
3: And many radiobiologists would actually say that the um, public dose of is meaningless because um, uranium does bond to DNA. So it's a, it's a special radio nuclide.
0: of the Pints and Politics podcast posted January 9th, 2020. You're listening to a panel discussion with three members of CARN, Citizens Against Radioactive Neighborhoods in Peterborough, Ontario. The voices you'll hear are Jane Scott, Corrine Mintz, and Peter Harris. My name is Bill Templeman. Now, if I put on my uh, cranky city councillor hat again (laughs) and ask you, surely... Very qualified scientists have reviewed all this. People with uh, with their doctorates in nuclear engineering and uh, radiobiologists and so on have gone over these plans, and to them, everything is fine. So how can we as citizens challenge this? Do we have the expertise?
3: Well, we can listen to the independent radiobiologists in the world and... and One of whom, uh, Ian Fairley, says that there's a paradigm shift happening in the area of radiobiology that's well accepted. It's just that the um, organization that um, comes up with the risk assessments ignored important epidemiological data and biological data when it came up with its risk assessments. And hindsight is showing that those risk assessments and public dosage are up to a thousand times wrong. For uranium, and
2: I think we also need to just look at worldwide accidents happen. So yes. if everything were to go right every single moment of every single day in these facilities, then maybe there well, there, I, I feel there would still be a problem. But maybe there wouldn't be. Maybe maybe all their scientific ca- uh, calculations would be correct. But unfortunately, we 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 live in in a fallible world, and uh, and humans are very fallible. And what we see is that there are mistakes and there are unforeseen circumstances all the time. That's what happened with Fukushima. That's what happened in Chernobyl. That's what happened here in the flood when, uh, when the property was owned by GE. So water from that facility, it was flooded and water was literally running down the streets. Contaminated, likely contaminated water from, from that facility was running down the streets after that flood. Unforeseen circumstances come up all the time and, and mistakes are made. And, you know, what, are we willing to accept the repercussions of those mistakes
1: uh, we should point out too as well that the uh, the regulator uh, jane mentioned this earlier is is a captured regulator that means that mm. there are close ties between uh, industry and and the regulator itself there have been some rumblings lately about this um, and, and the close relationship between the CNSC and, and the, the industry, BWXT, Cameco, Bruce Nuclear, OPG. These are the places that the CNSC is supposed to regulate. Um, recently, a PhD chemist uh, working for Bruce Nuclear came forward publicly and said that, said that the CNSC was a captured regulator. Um, it wasn't regulating, it wasn't assessing risks appropriately and came forward and actually ended up suing the CNSC, and that's, I think, going before the court sometime this year, uh, for defamation because the CNSC responded by uh, disparaging him. Uh, We have other examples Mm -hmm. of how it's been compromised as a regulator. Uh, Stephen Harper fired the president of the CNSC. When she regulated in favor of safety, she uh, decided to close down a radioisotope manufacturer because the safety risks were too high. Um, So she fired, and uh, she was replaced by a gentleman named Michael Bender, who had, I believe, used to work in the the industry and had very close ties to to the industry. And I I think even the current president has had... uh, has worked mm-hmm. in the industry before, yeah. so there's this close relationship between regulator and industry. One that should concern all Canadians, not mm-hmm. not just pictou I'm going to ask uh, Jane to just
2: sure. uh, talk a bit about the Ministry of
3: the CNSC. Oh it? yeah. <coughs> so the CNSC sure. reports to the Minister of the Natural of Natural Resources, who is in the business of promoting um, nuclear energy in Canada and overseas. So in lots of countries, um, the regulator is is part of the Ministry of the Environment, or you would hope it would be part of the Ministry of Health, like Health Canada or something. So it's basically, and it doesn't take um, a precautionary approach to people's health Despite all the uncertainties around what it does, what uranium does in the body, it takes, uh, Alara, it operates under the Alara principle, which is as low as reasonably achievable. So, Mm. so why bring this company from Toronto to um, produce uh, pellets in Peterborough, which would increase the pollution a crazy amount, like thousands and thousands of times more, um, uranium dioxide Uh, Powder would be going into the air right next to a school, and that brings into question the whole thing that children are not adequately uh, protected by regulation at all. And uranium is a radioactive heavy metal, so it's doubly toxic, and it's just unfair to children.
0: Can can you explain this double toxicity, the heavy metal? What what does that mean? Realize you speak to a non-scientist here. Okay.
3: Well, there's. In the United States, there's the American Armed Forces Radiological Research Institute. And at, because it's the study of uranium is really important because of the war zones and the fact that people are using depleted uranium weaponry, in war zones around the world so it's been studied it's been well studied around the world and this scientist called alexandra miller has been doing studies on uranium specifically um, biological studies and has found out that there is kind of a synergy between the chemotoxicity because it's heavy metal and it's radio toxicity and instead of just being an additive thing um, it's a multiplier so the effects of uranium are way more dangerous than we knew before. And these new studies have not been taken into consideration when coming up with the risk assessments from the regulator. So everybody wants to trust that the regulator (laughs) is on side, but their science is just way behind.
0: been talking a bit in the last few minutes about the politics behind this issue. What has been the response from city council, from our provincial uh, MPP, from our federal uh, member of parliament, from the government in Ottawa? What?
2: It's very interesting. Nobody wants to to touch this issue. This this is the proverbial hot potato? Nobody in power... Here in Peterborough wants to touch this issue. No,
1: no foresight being shown.
2: And and we, it's been very surprising how little support we have had from we've had lots of public support when people find out what's going on people are very upset the public is upset we how many we we have a petition we have hundreds of yeah. signatures on the on the petition but as far as we have had many conversations with city councillors we've had co- many conversations with maria Monsef's office we've had many conversations with diane terrian and unfortunately we are receiving very little, no support, actually.
1: The default position is deference to the CNSE. Oh, we can't do anything. It's federally regulated, and we have to defer to the CNSE. Uh, that's not, true. It's not um, true. They should be advocating for a full environmental assessment here. We need to have an environmental uh, um, assessment. Why? Because the community needs to have input in this process. Right now, when we go before the CNSC, uh, when we bring our <laughs> interventions to be heard in March, we are going to be arguing against BWXT, which is to be expected. But as of uh, last week, when the CNSC staff report came out, They are advocating uh, on behalf of BWXT now. They are supporting BWXT that Peterborough is the ideal location to begin pelleting. They are advocating for pelleting to happen right next to a public school without any public input in a neighborhood, without any public input, without any consideration to the economic impacts, real estate values, all these things are not going to be assessed. So uh, an environmental assessment would bring all this forward. It's a no-lose situation for a politician to come forward and say, yeah, this is the minimum we can do for our residents. We should have a full environmental assessment here. We need to know what the risks are, and we need to know how it's going to affect our community. That should be the default position of every politician in the city. It's a uh, no-lose position. I I don't understand why they aren't adopting it.
2: So right now, legally, (coughs) the way our system is set up, they, BWXT does not need a full environmental assessment. There's, there's no, there are probably ways to uh, force them to have an environmental assessment, but our laws right now don't make it necessary for them to do a full environmental assessment. And uh, as Peter was saying, that is the minimum of what should be done before anything like this is even considered here uh, in town.
0: This is the Pints and Politics podcast, posted January 9th, 2020. You're listening to a panel discussion with three members of CARN, Citizens Against Radioactive Neighborhoods, in Peterborough, Ontario. The voices you'll hear are Jane Scott, Corrine Mintz, and Peter Harris. My name is Bill Templeman.
2: It's not impossible. It really, yeah. it's, it's completely possible. It's just that the will is not there in Canada at all and possibly not in the States either. But uh, I was wondering if we could, we're talking about all the issues and the problems with with this proposal that BWXT is putting forward um, in front of the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission, but I I really want to make sure that we spend uh, the correct amount of time or or a good amount of time talking about what can we do, because because I I feel like presenting problems without solutions is, is... not helpful for people these days, and uh, I, I really want to talk about uh, sure. w- what can people do.
0: Um, Green, you did mention before we started that there's a film coming to reframe.
2: So we Karn has had nothing really to do with that, sure. uh, but we have heard about the film and many of us have watched it unfortunately I'm not one of the people who has it's called Town of Widows and it was made to address the issues for the workers who have lost their own lives or their spouses lives or people who have been harmed by working in the industry working on the GE site I mean there there are many different issues in the past on that site with PCB contamination and asbestos. And then they, they have had a nuclear facility there for quite some time, so beryllium exposure and, and other other exposures. And, I, and so... Yeah. Uh,
0: I, I should explain that when I made reference to Reframe, Reframe is an annual documentary film festival here in Peterborough that's uh, going to be coming at the end of January. Right. Go ahead.
2: And, and so it's a, apparently a, an incredibly uh, powerful documentary and it really shows how the company has not stood by their workers has not compensated their workers and and people are just dying so it's terrible and the thought you know it's basically continuing that same legacy by allowing this um this to continue here in Peterborough We, we should be saying that's enough Let's reclaim this land, and let's do something positive with it. Let's not add more contamination to it. So uh, I just want to explain the process of what's going to happen now at this point uh, with the licensing of BWXT for the next 10 years. Some of the dates are keep changing. So today, at this moment, the dates uh, that are coming up that are important are the January 27th. So we do have an intervention writing workshop coming up uh January 7th. So that okay. will be just Next week, next Tuesday, and we have Canadian Environmental Law Association coming in who has been representing CARN in this upcoming hearing. And at that event, people will, all of us will learn how to write an effective intervention. But I want to go back for a second and just talk about what an intervention is and when the hearing is so right now the and it ha, the date has changed quite a few times but right now the date that the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission is giving us is March 5th and 6th 2020 there will be a hearing here in Peterborough and at that hearing BWXT will represent itself and the Canadian Nuclear Nuclear Safety Commission will be there as well and we as citizens can get up and we can either write a letter to the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission with our concerns, and that can be read into the docket um, at that time, or we can present in person in front of the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission, whoever's running the hearings, and we can tell BWXT and the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission what our concerns are and and why it's important that they reconsider this this opportunity to pellet here in Peterborough. So the last day that those interventions will be accepted by the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission is Jan- at this moment, and that this date might change, but for the moment what we know is that it's January 27th. So whether one wants to uh, present their information to the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission in person or they want to present it in writing, it has to be submitted in writing by the 27th of January.
0: Um, now, do we take this offer of public consultation from the uh, Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission seriously, or are we just, in, is the Commission in fact just ticking the box? Public consultation, done. <laughs> it's, all, it's all we've got right now. It's,
2: all, it's the only recourse we have at the moment, and I, I think we've seen from the information night that we held here in Peterborough, we had. Close to, we had over 230 people there at the mm-hmm. event, and, mm-hmm. peop, and and that was on a cold, dark yep. winter night. Like People got yeah, out, out of their warm homes and, yeah. and came out to, to hear what, what the, the experts that we were able to provide on that evening had B, to say.
1: BWXT Information Night, uh, they held one in October, or was it September? Right. But in any case... Karn representatives were the major constituents there. And Um, that was
2: maybe 25 people altogether. So we we feel strongly that they haven't done their due diligence in informing the public. If a grassroots organization like Karn can get out 230 people, you know, BWXT, with all the resources that they have available to them and all the money that they have available to them, could easily have outreached to many, many more people than that and offered them a, a decent opportunity to have their voices heard.
0: Okay, now can we talk more about what the public can do? And in your remarks, could you frame perhaps what's the level of public support and how to increase it?
1: Writing to your politicians, to me, would be step number one, or actually step number two. Step number one would be signing a petition at nopellets.ca. That's our website. So if you go to nopellets.ca, there's a petition mounted there. It's very simple to fill in. Let people know that you don't support this, and we should have thousands of signatures on that. Uh, We know the community support is there. Uh, It's just a matter of people uh, sharing the information, getting it out to everybody, letting everybody know. the next step, I would say, is to uh, write to your politicians and let them know your displeasure and how you are concerned that the CNSC is a captured uh, regulator and that you really can't trust them to make decisions for Peterburians and that you want to have an input into this uh, process through an environmental assessment. Yeah. The next thing to do would be to uh, write an intervention. None of us uh, really relish the prospect of writing uh, an intervention. Uh, We don't want to go before the CNSC, but I think we're probably all going to be there. None of us are public speakers. We don't really want to stand in front of the CNSC, but we feel it's really important. Uh, So we're going to be there, and we're going to be talking about these concerns that we have and we'd like to get as many Peterboroughians as possible uh, to write interventions. This will let the CNSC know that we aren't happy uh, with their decision-making process, and we aren't happy that pellets are going to be brought to Peterborough.
2: Maybe. Let's say maybe. Yes, maybe. Because I'm... I think I think enough of the public is starting to know, and and the what we're hearing from people is they don't want it. Pe- once people know what what the okay. plan is, people do not want this here in in their community. I also want to just clarify that you don't need to be an expert in order to write an intervention. You just need to write from what your experiences or your concerns are. I, I mean, most of us aren't experts, so I yeah. Uh, okay. You just write from where where you can.
1: And can I also point out sure. that this isn't a referendum on nuclear power. I know we've talked about it here, but this is a, you, you speaking out uh, about an application that really makes no sense whatsoever. There's no real reason for BWXT to manufacture pellets in Peterborough other than the fact that we have a license here already.
0: Okay, could we just close with uh, contact information? Suppose uh, one of our listeners wants to take action, wants to get involved, what should they do?
2: Probably the first place to go would be to our website which is no pellets dot c a. that would get you linked into all sorts of information and events. We also have a Facebook page. How do we Peter? Karin Peterbro. So again, you could connect with us there, and that would be the
0: Karin <laughs> Peterbro,
1: PTBO uh, at gmail.com. I think, but that's probably best to access email through our website yeah. because we're linked there.